Hey, hey, buddy. How are we doing? I'm fresh off my workout too. Look at us rocking our bloom stuff here. Oh wait, I'm I got to kind of still video. sweating. <laughs> change my video mirror. There you go. Now we can actually see the bloom. There you go. Boom. Winning. It's good stuff, man. I love this. I love the logo. Yeah, man, it's looking good on everything. Um, I love the beanie too. It feels a little mm -hmm. redundant to wear both, but no, no, I like it. Came out really nice. Well, you missed your head there. I love a good green beanie. Yeah, it's good. It's a good. It's a good one-two punch. The color too. Yeah, even though the embroidery is technically different colors than the actual logo, the mm. embroidery colors came out pretty good. Like, what do you mean? Oh, really? Yeah. So the embroidery was a set. It, you had to choose from a set of pre like Fizzly mm. fabrics, like fabric embroidery colors. So I just chose the closest ones and they end up looking really good. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Let me, let me call Mr. Mike Drew. Make sure. No, it's over here. Were you doing a Barry's boot camp or something? Or what were we up to? Yes. Uh, I lost audio there for a second. Let me get that back. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. There uh, we go. Testing, testing, Sybilis, Sybilis. Hi, <laughs> toe. All right, I'm gonna let Mr. Michael in. <clears throat> Hi there. Hello. How are you doing? Hello, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Nice to meet you. Where do we nice find you in the world today? Uh, Miami, Florida. How about you? Nice. I'm in New York, personally. And I got Denver, Colorado. Oh, that's what's up, dude. I love it. Denver. The Sunshine State. That's what they call it out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's cool. Nice. nice. I, I, I was part of the great migration from New York down to Miami. I was up in the mm. West Village for about three years. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I have a bunch of friends that are kind of toggling between the two right now. Like you have people that work like generally in tech, some, some, some in investing too. And they're just like, you know, the, the, the stickiness of New York only lasts so long. I'm still very stuck, but yeah. I don't blame you, man. It's the best city in the world in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's great. And, uh, uh, Keegan lived there as well. I, don't know. Yeah, I was there for, I was there for about four years. Did my time like Lower East Side, Christian Delancey. Yeah. Right above uh, Sammy's Romanian was back when it was open. Was right below my uh, place. Very yeah. fun spot. Oh, great spot, dude! Great spot. I love your background, by the way. It's amazing. Thanks. It's cool. All the yeah. friends, family, and the Millennium Falcon. You know, all the important stuff. And it's like, some, is that like a bear or a dog bear picture at the top? That's oh, that's my dog in great a snipe. general's outfit. <laughs> <laughs> my wife got it for me as a present. It's just like him in like an admiral's suit or something like that. That's the best picture I've ever seen. <laughs> did you make that yourself keegan I, I always forget to ask no so my wife got it for me she found it on one okay. of those websites where you give them a photo and then they like make it look like an like an old royal painting or something like that <laughs> so it looks like an oil painting but mm -hmm. it's just fox fox chilling out that's yeah. awesome cool man so thanks for coming on um like i said in the communications to you we're just like interviewing interesting people uh love your background 
Uh, seems like you've been a founder a few times. Also was reading about Prescient. Seems like it's, you know, marketing specific in certain capacities. And basically what we would like to do is just like, you know, find out about new businesses, meet interesting people and talk through interesting growth strategies. Ultimately, that's like what we're trying to provide to our audience, which is a lot of SaaS founders, investors, marketers, and salespeople, and really just find like your, you know, secret ingredient to growth that we can all learn from. Absolutely, man. Happy to give you a, uh... Happy to give you a rundown of uh, cool, yeah, cool, yeah. I mean, we started the recording, but I'll I'll do like a quick intro before we jump into it. And if there's anything specific you want us to like uh, feature, mention, or ask you about, let me know, and you know, we can um, naturally flow to it. Yeah, I would say like uh, so we raised about two point three million um, on a pre-seed when the market was hot, like August mm-hmm. twenty twenty one. And then uh, next week we'll be formally like doing the PR announcement. We just uh, we just closed a four and a half million dollar seed round, um, in, in arguably one of the worst venture markets that we've seen. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, man! That's huge. Yeah, dude, I'm super stoked. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's that's a hard time to do it. So that's awesome. You guys pulled it together. Yeah, it was good. It was good, man. It was just a lot of things came together in the right way. And um, but there was some it was some interesting like growth tactics of like what we needed to do to raise and precede in a hot market and then like getting very tactical and specific to um, what we needed to do to raise in the, in the seed market. And our, we just literally launched our platform publicly in the mm-hmm. market like four weeks ago. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we got uh, a fundraise and a product launch. This podcast is going to do itself. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a very wild story too. So happy to give, give people like to awesome. the kind of what went down. Yeah. Do you want to touch on the the new fundraising? Obviously, we won't have to ask about valuations if you're not comfortable with that. We could also wait to release the podcast till after. Just I don't want to, you know, jump any sharks here. I was just going to say that that'd be fantastic. Um, we're just, it should be, I mean, I just heard from the PR phone, so it should be out next week, but at the worst case, okay. well, man, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Then um, you just, I'll, I'll send you the recording if you need to check it for any reason and you go from yeah. there. But yeah, awesome, man. Let's do it. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast hosted as always by Grant Cohen and Keegan Slattery. Hi there. On the Pipeline Superheroes podcast, we like to interview interesting go-to-market founders and investors and how they scale pipeline for B2B SaaS agencies and businesses. Um, Today, we have Michael True, CEO of Prescient AI. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Really good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you have a very interesting story. You started your company in March of 2020. Um, so I think you've probably gone through five to six different entirely economic climates. So we'd love to understand, you know, what pressing AI is and like the journey so far. Yeah, I um, pressing AI, a bunch of different economic markets and a bunch of different pivots throughout those different markets. Um, Pressing AI originally started as a um, as a music platform uh, where we wanted to predict the most profitable tours for the record labels, and we wanted to sell the tech and go work for a record label. Uh, and then COVID hit and touring stopped. And so um, my uh, <laughs> we uh, but my co-founder he um, you know he ran research science and machine learning globally for Grubhub. So I had a really good rock star in my corner to. Uh, to help pivot quickly. And so long story short, we focused on um, still within the music industry on streaming music and record labels were having a challenge to 
do marketing attribution, uh, tying a campaign on Facebook to a stream on Spotify because you know, Spotify kept that first party data pretty close. And so um, I said, can you solve it? He said, give me three months. And he did some research, put together some algorithms, put some band-aids on it. And we got introduced to one of the major record labels and we partnered with them for, you know, for eight months, uh, back testing and trying to get the confidence that our measurement was accurate. Uh, and it started to prove out in a, in a very strong way. Um, and, uh, you know, from there, we, we had a, a pleasant surprise where, I remember, you know, we were talking about trying to sell off the tech to the music industry and uh, we get a, my co-founder called me and said, uh, check this news for Apple announcing something called iOS 14.5. <laughs> and I said, wow. And he said, he hit it spot on. He said, hey, our model is, is uh, as a probabilistic model, uh, first party data for measuring ads is going to go away. Pixels will go away. Cookies will go away. Apple's going to war with Facebook to take advertising share. Uh, and it's just the beginning. So. Um, that's how we got to where we are today. We're focusing on, we said, which industry do we start with? It'll work with any industry. So we started with the D to C industry and, uh, yeah, man, like we've been heads down ever since from that, from that area. Uh, that's, that's a pretty wild story to go through those. And I love kind of bouncing between the two of them. Um, so I want to kind of double click, double click a little bit on the, God, I hate that phrase, but I always say it. Um, uh, around like <laughs> attribution in the, in the D2C industry. Um, I know, especially in like B2B software, a lot of times attribution is, is so important and yet it's just so difficult because the yeah. buying cycles are so much larger. So when you guys are, um, looking at attribution, are you really focusing on smaller transactions and things like that, that are a lot easier to tie between, you know, you know, this domino caused this one to fall. Um, whereas I know, you know, the B2B life cycle is a lot longer. It's much more difficult to track because there's so many other touch points that take place behind the scenes. It's a fantastic question. Um, our, the models are seeming to work with brands that have a impulse buy. So within that seven day attribution window, um, but for brands that have a, you know, we work with one brand, um, that they're like a Peloton competitor. You know, this is a $3,000 product, right? And it's not, you know, just an easy, let's look, let's click and buy. It takes a lot of consideration. So what's interesting and unique about our models, we've built these halo effects where essentially the ad flat platforms and a lot of our competitors that we're inspired by, but they're looking at this click, they're trying to stitch a pixel based off of an IP address they're, click, or they're catching. But if you get a hundred million impressions and a million clicks, what about the 99 million impressions that weren't clicked? Probabilistically, some of those users were driven to search around Google, whether that's paid search, organic search, or going directly to your website. And so we've created these probabilistic halo effects that start to quantify the impact of these impressions that are going outside of these attribution windows. That's so huge. Have you started to find that you're getting more traction with clients who are outside of the D2C space or folks who don't have that, that really short impulse buy window? No, I mean, so there's still halo effects for, for brands that have a, a short, you know, we call them first order effects, right? Like when our, our dashboards will show like, hey, here's your first order impact. And then like, here's the additional halo effects that happen. But uh, a lot of these brands are spending um, across, you know, if they're, they're trying to migrate into new channels. So they're spending across Facebook for awareness and saying, okay, well, we need to get into TikTok, Twitter, Twitter Snapchat, Pinterest, so on and so forth, right? And being yeah. able to quantify and actually make decisions about which ones of these top of the funnel campaigns are actually driving this halo effect, whether it is only a small portion of, you know, that additional revenue. Um, but it's still an insight that they're not able to capture today and make better decisions related to the top of the funnel. Um, Very cool. Answering the B2C question. Um, it was tough, man. We, we, 
you know, when we, when we go out to, you know, like we do a series A, we'll span out into different verticals. But for right now, we wanted to stay hyper-focused on D2C. And we've created a, well, I should give our engineering team the credit. We've created a, the fastest onboarding in D2C that doesn't require any pixel installation. You can send a, an invite to a brand and within 10 minutes, they can connect the Shopify GA, all of their ad platforms, all historical data sinks into our database in about eight hours. And we can train back test and put that live into a dashboard in under 36 hours versus wow. the traditional approach of installing a pixel and waiting for that four to six week learning window to pick up an updated and feel confident. So um, super focused on e-com just to start now. Mm -hmm. That's that's really interesting. And, and I always think about like the, like you mentioned that the iOS update was a real boon for your business. And like, you see this in the marketing agency space specifically to talk some inside baseball where you'll have a lot of agencies that are very good at one channel, call it Facebook, and then Facebook updates something in their terms and conditions. And then it's like, you know, learning how to ride a bike again. So I'm just yeah. wondering how you think about like, especially as you niche into a certain product, you know, before you can expand it in new verticals, how you think about like building a defensible business. We think about this with like the, you know, repeatability of marketing campaigns when you are dependent on sort of third parties, like which is natural to the D2C space? What's unique about our models is we're looking at empirical data that will never go away. So we're looking at spend, impressions, click, sessions, and revenue, right? We're not looking at any first-party data. We're not looking at any pixel, IP address, cookies. Um, and so from the defensibility perspective, um, there's a lot of talk about iOS 14.5. What you're going to see a lot of talk coming about in the future is Apple's release of private relay. And this was announced last May, uh, the, the, the Celtics and Warriors championship game. I'm a big, big Celtics fan. And Apple did their first global privacy campaign and they announced Private Relay. So Private Relay is a, uh, you can go into your phone, go into iCloud and talk it over. It reroutes your IP address to a third party server. So what does that do? It blocks the pixel, right? And so when you're trying to do fingerprinting and pixel and stitching all of these together, Right. It gives us an advantage where a lot of our competitors are really making their bet on this pixel. And eventually those pixels will go away. But, um, Private Relay just came out of beta. Um, we, we, we believe in the years to come that it'll just be part of an iOS update. And then you saw Android in November follow suit with Google One VPN. So you're starting to see these VPNs, these ad blocksers, these pixel, these eliminating the, the ability to do fingerprinting. And so the world will move back towards a probabilistic model or call it a media, a media mix model, a media mix model, right? The, the traditional days of trying to measure out of home or a billboard, those are now revamped because of Apple going from $300 million to $4 billion in ad revenue over the last four years. <laughs> so how have you guys then started to, what has your, kind of your overall growth strategy been thus far in terms of finding new clients in the D2C space? What have you found are some of your kind of your most effective channels or most effective ways to get in front of new clients and new business? I think it's important for startups when they are, and I'll just relate this to our journey, right? There's a lot of different tactics when we're going into hyper growth and series A and things of that nature. When we went into go, when we figured out, hey, this is, when Apple announced iOS 14.5, said, let's go into D2C. Um, we said, let's find eight brands that believe in our secret sauce, that believe in what we're doing and partner with them over the next eight months. So we build our integrations with them. They give us feedback on their UX and UI. They were integrated with us on Slack. It was kind of a co-build of people that wanted to see you build this out successful and they wanted a front row seat and help you to go do that. 
Um, so our goal was, hey, let's get eight brands on the platform. Let's build with them. And then everybody knows at the end, hey, we're going to put this in your hands. And if there's enough value, we want you to pay for it, which will allow us to go do our next fundraising round. And so um, that was our strategy is build with our audience, have them poke holes. And we were able to hit those conversion rates. Um, and so that led us into go doing our, our, our series, our seed round, which we just closed a couple months ago. We'll be announcing next week. Um, where we closed a, a four and a half million dollar round. Um, but you know, that was, that was the plan. Um, go raise a pre-seed. It was August, 2021, get some brands that are going to help build us alongside this. And now it's, now we're turning the jets on, on the growth strategy for, for series, uh, based off our seed round. And we're now four weeks into four weeks into the market, uh, running a two week free trial with that great onboarding, uh, experience. And um, yeah, I'd be curious to you guys, like when, when, you know, we think we have some pretty decent conversion rates, but for V1 of a product, what do you guys typically see for like strong B2B SaaS conversion rates? I'm like, well, how much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really depends on the product, right? Like, um, yeah, for, from just like a website to conversion rate, like reaching out for a demo or reaching out for a free trial. I mean, really, I mean, a lot of times we're seeing stuff like, you know, two to 4%. It's pretty small, depending on it, depending how compelling it might be. Yeah. That's what I see is like a kind of like a low end benchmark. Um, yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm curious if you guys see that same amount of just like, you know, overall website user coming through to a free trial conversion. Yeah. We've seen from, we're doing it from free trial to free trial because we had a wait list, right. To, to, to get onto the platform. And so we had yeah. a bunch of friends that were ready to, to test this and get, get going on it. Um, yeah, I mean, we're seeing upwards of a 60% conversion rate of our free trial to awesome. be one of the platforms. So um, I'm encouraged by it, man. Now it's time to um, create use cases, um, get on podcast, announce this seed round. Um, yeah. I spent the day today going through my, my, all of my email, every folder in my inbox and creating a, a little list to start beefing up our, our email outreach to venture capitalists, people in the network, former brands that we've talked to, um, and just trying to create a lot of momentum and groundswell um, because our competitors, they do a fantastic job of that. Um, we have one called Triple Whale and they just raised a $25 million Series B and bar none, it is the most impressive marketing strategy I've, I've seen from a B2B SaaS company. So it's Triple Whale? Yeah, Triple Whale. Um, attribution space, D2C. Yeah, Public, I think about 5,000 brands using the platform, product-led growth, and they just crushed them, man. They got LinkedIn, they got Twitter, they got kind of a cult following. Yeah. <laughs> so, how, so how are you guys imagining your strategy then? Because obviously they've got these deep pockets because of their level of funding and stuff like that. So how do you see your ability to kind of be more scrappy and find ways to win that isn't just throwing money you know, into Facebook, into Google and Twitter? It work, it's what keeps me up at night, but I think that... <laughs> <laughs> she executes, it can win. And there's just an education aspect that's going to come along with that. If we can create the buzz around this. And yeah. I think, I think of brands using triple whale alongside of us, they are a place you can go to a beautiful dashboard with a whole bunch of data that you can go and make decisions off of, of just from a historical reporting perspective from our platform. Um, we have stronger math, right? We're more reliable. We're more future proof. We can bring a brand alongside of us and whatever privacy law or regulation comes our models will be able to withhold them. So you can start going on that journey with us. So, you know, you think about uh, predictive optimization, automation, confidence-based attribution. 
um, you know, that's going to be the, that's going to be the, our, our focus and our goal, um, you know, because math matters nowadays. Math isn't just like a feature. It's like, it's, it's a must have, especially when you're thinking about making decisions in this economy, every dollar you need to stretch it and you can't afford to have wasted ad spend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like going through that fundraising, it was very like, you know, capital is a little bit more expensive these days. It's harder to raise. Uh, valuations are a little tighter. Just would love to understand how you navigated that and especially some nuance in your specific space. Because like you said, math matters the most and that's what venture capitalists care about. Like they're modeling it their own way and you have to express future gains, unrealized gains. So just curious, like what your big lessons were from that experience? You know, we were largely we weren't in like this massive growth phase. So being able to tie a narrative to what we're going to go, how we're going to go turn this into a hundred million AR business and make it believable and having a, a course of action, how we're going to go do that was, was a must have, right. And having these inflection points that showed the progress that we're tracking towards those objectives. And so, you know, something I, I would do is I would, I had a, my email list. Um, it was funny, actually, I know sparked my mind right after we raised our pre-seed in August, 2021, um, one of the investors in that pre-seed round, I messaged them and said, this is who I want us to lead. This is who I want to lead our next round. Here's who we want to take our board. And the next week I met with that fund and I nurtured that fund for nine months and a whole list of funds and said, hey, here's what we want to accomplish over the next quarter. And each quarter we were able to achieve those inflection points. And they, some of the times it wasn't revenue-based, it was more product-based. Like we wanted to get an onboarding here. We wanted to get these integrations built and to show that while we're building with these eight brands, uh, we wanted to get accuracy levels here for our back testing. Um, so when it came point to open up the round, the funds knew who we were, what we're building, that we can achieve our goals. And you know we were able to get multiple term sheets within 31 days of opening up that round. And so the um, it goes much beyond just Hey, here's our numbers, especially in this tough market. It shows, hey, here's a team that we've built. We're able to deliver on what we say. And here's the vision we want to go execute on with your capital and support. What were some of the um go ahead. oh sorry, go ahead, Grant. No, it's fine. I was just curious, like what are some of the uh the harder questions that you had to um that you encountered from VCs, you know, being in this space right now with all the iOS questions going on? Like, I was curious. You know, what were some of the toughest questions that you had to end up answering? What happens if the cookies don't go away? <laughs> <laughs> we're going into a, we're going into our uh, like investment committee with our lead, and um, the night before that, Google announced they're pushing the cookies back until 2024. Hmm. So our slag our slogan was like profitable acquisitions like the cookies never left. <laughs> so I was like, people, my friends and family, like my great aunts, messenger, even like the cookies aren't going away. <laughs> um, so you, you, there was just, it was interesting moments that popped up throughout that. But um, some of the core questions were, is, hey, you guys are going to build an AI company. There's a lot of buzzwords around AI. How is, how is your AI different, right? What is your competitive moat with this AI um, is one. And the second one is, especially in this economy, like, or in this, this market conditions is giving a believable narrative of how you can scale this into, you know, a 10 X multiple of what, what they're looking for, or even more, right? How can you paint a picture of going from very minimal revenue to hundred million dollars in ARR, right? And so 
those are some of the, the you know the, the tough questions that you have to have a strong answer uh for funds to deploy capital in this market mm -hmm. yeah i think that like the idea of the what if the cookies don't go away and the cookies not going away it reminds me of the big short when the housing market keeps going up even after all like the underlying economic factors are reversed so i'm sure that was a, a very interesting time and and it was probably pressure cooked but yeah i think that like you know um it just sounds like you had to get really strong in the core of the business, a lot of the fundamentals, a lot of the storytelling to make it through this harder period. And, you know, now that you're on, on the other side of it, and, you know, I, I doubt that this AI is super related to the chat GPT that Keegan and I play with all day. Um, but do you find that like now, like, especially with e-commerce levels, you know, sort of rising from there, like, or, you know, peaked in those 2020 hysteria days, do you find that you actually have some, some like real positive momentum in the market now? I mean, early signals of it's a competitive market. I'm not gonna not gonna bluff around that, right? Like we have a lot of work to do, but we have something for now that's special, unique, and different. And it's providing value. It's a talking point. It allows us to go out and create some awareness around that. Um, E-commerce is is buzzing, man. I think it's still in its infancy stages of i forget what the quote so don't quote me on this quote but it's it's under 20 percent of mm. you know retail revenues coming from e-commerce there's still a ways to go um younger generations are going to change the way folks shop right you think of these young kids look at tiktok for a search platform now right um and so i think that we're in a good position is you know we're well capitalized we've built you know line of line of code for line of code like pound for pound i think we have the the, the most robust technical organization within our within our you know ecosystem if you will um so now it just purely comes down to and you know, what you guys like to talk about every day is like pure b2b SaaS strategy execution and growth from there you know allowing us to go put ourselves in a position for a series a and beyond Love it. What are you? Uh, what are you most looking forward to in this next year? Now that you've closed the round, um, what is your? Yeah, what are you most looking forward to now that you've gotten that taken care of? That's a huge milestone for you. Like, what's the next most exciting thing to do? We're in the middle of some very exciting roadmap discussions. We know, you know, this upcoming quarter we're going to be doing some interesting things around forecasting and budget optimizations. Um, but the things from there we can do related to automation capabilities. Uh, a lot of things related to um, statistical confidence and measurements in ways people haven't looked at data before. Um, so, you know, our long-term vision is to, you know, automate media buying based off of confidence and predicted LTV to CAC, right? LTV to CAC is the metric if we can automate that and have some confidence around it. Um, so for most exciting is like starting to, you know, strategize, ideate, you know, build, execute on, really exciting machine learning capabilities and, and most importantly like watching our clients make better decisions and watching the results well, watching the results grow we we just got our first client uh kind of testimonial or use case back today and you know they were looking at their performance max campaigns on google right pmax everybody thinks of google as a search platform but pmax was their second largest share of impression count right pmax is an awareness play and and we're able to put these halo effects on top of google and you know they are, are sustaining a, a roas target that they didn't think they were going to be able to hit and this is only you know four 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 to five weeks of using our platform 
So that's, that's awesome. really exciting stuff. And it's cool. just fun. Like I, this is why I like the B2B side. Cause you know, you're helping other companies grow and you can take in their successes, their successes or your successes. And it's just like a lot easier to create really long-term relationships. So really interesting stuff there. Um, final question. What's the one thing you would tell like first day on the job prescient AI, Michael True, if you could, and like, this will definitely be helpful to other folks in the, you know, D2C uh, commerce space. Um, measure twice and cut once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, you have to move fast. You have to go quick. You have to be scrappy, but, um, there are certain things that you need to be incredibly focused on up front. Measure twice, cut once on your cap table. How do you think about that cap table in the future? Uh, what is your, what's your vision, right? Like have a long vision, but chop it up and slice it in a variety of different ways. And um, make sure you're building with people that are aligned with your vision and you enjoy working with, um, you know, our core motto inside, man, is that we'll always stay true to this is, you know, happy people build great products and have that sort of culture. Um, so that was many things, as you could tell, there's many things that I would tell yeah, them. Yeah, that's good. You'd measure twice, cut once across a lot of the big decisions that you need to make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Um, anything else you'd like to promote or talk about? Like if there's any people you're looking for, maybe go to market folks, anything like that. Now's your time. Yeah, we're going to be open up a customer success role and a sales role here at the end of Q1. Um, somebody who knows the playbook of marketing and e-com, uh, you know, we're moving fast. We need people that understand that and can come join a great culture and have some fun while doing it. And uh, yeah, our platform is is open for access. And so if you're a D2C brand, uh, you know, generating more than a million dollars a year, um, for as long as it takes for you to wait in line for a cup of coffee, that's as long as it would take you to start your journey with probabilistic attribution models. So give us a shout, www.prescient-ai.io. Thank you guys so much for having me on, man. It's been really enjoyable Perfect. to have you guys. And uh, yeah. I hope to keep, you know, keep the lines of communication open with you guys. Yep.